Did I tell you Luke chapter 2? Okay, okay. I meant to. I was trying to. Okay. If you're able then, I'd ask you to stand with me, please. Some people think I'm messing around when I say, did I tell you Luke chapter 2? I'm not messing around. I really don't know if I did or not. So it's embarrassing, but I've heard that's what happens. Okay. Uh, we uh, just go ahead and begin with verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto a city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Just, just a thought, just passing by here, just a thought. When the angel said, this shall be a sign unto you, evidently the angel was letting them know, you're going to go look at this. Anyway, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. Mercy. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Wow. I would like to pray. Our great God, I do come to you again. I want to just say thank you. It is wonderful that we have preserved for us the birth of our Savior. Thank you. Thank you for all that's entailed and involved in your coming to this planet. Thank you. Thank you for how you've made salvation available, and then you just didn't leave it at that. You gave us instruction how to go about this life. You started your church, Lord, and you gave us instruction for your church to help us and to bring glory to you. Thank you for that. So I'm grateful I get to be a preacher and I have opportunity to open up this book and to tell Tell people about what you've done for us. I pray you would use it. So I need your help tonight. And I pray all of us have hearts and ears that are ready to hear and willing to respond. So we certainly love you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us. And we sure do look forward to when we get to see you. It's in your holy and precious and wonderful name we pray, Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
shepherds. Doing a little reading, trying to grasp historically thoughts and ideas about the shepherds. They were like the lowliest. A lowly, lowly commoner. We were going to compare it to us today. I, I, I do. I have written in my notes. We might say it's kind of like, like the garbage man. Kind of a lowly job. But in today's economy and how today is, it's, it's, it's not a real bad job being a garbage man. You, they've got good benefits. They have retirement. They have 401k. They've got some insurance. It, it's not a horrible job. And I was trying to think and trying to compare, well, what would be a lowly job today? No, I don't know. Maybe you're the person that cooks the French fries. That's what you do. That's where you start. Maybe you're a young maid at a hotel chain. Or you're a janitor. You're, that's what you do. You just kind of straighten up and clean the, clean the hotel or clean the offices. Or maybe, maybe you somebody that sells popcorn at a, some kind of ball game, some kind of event. Oh, no, I, this, uh, it's a lowly job that has no prestige, no praise. The shepherds had no insurance, no dental plan, no 401k. One of the Hebrew brothers that was writing an exposition of the 23rd Psalm, he said this about the shepherds. There's no more disreputable occupation than a shepherd. Philo, as a writer of the first century, he wrote these words. They are lowly and inglorious. And I will tell you, I had to look up the word inglorious. You might not have to, but... It means lacking fame or honor. It's even shameful or degrading or despicable. In the first century, the shepherds were hirelings. In some ways, you look at the word hireling, you just think, well, it's someone who's got a job. But defining the word hireling and describing them, uh, it's a person who serves for hire. They do something for some money especially is how it's defined, especially for inappropriate motives. They just want to do something, but their motive is they don't care about the work. They don't care about that. They just want the money so they can do something over here that might even be inappropriate. So I'll just say the shepherds have a terrible reputation. Historian named Jeremiah quotes a rabbinical source that says, most of the shepherds were dishonest and thieves. They went months without supervision. They lived most of the year outside. They were accused of stealing the increase. Often people were warned, do not buy milk or wool or lambs or kids from a shepherd. You could assume that it would be stolen. One of the laws of the first century, a shepherd was not allowed to hold a public office. It was so bad that a shepherd was not allowed to be a witness on any kind of trial. Mercy. Shepherds are never known to be rich. Spend a year outside. A 
I was thinking I'm old enough to know uh, a TV show called Rawhide. I hope some of you know that. Gil Favor, he is the man. He was the leader. Does anybody in the room remember the cook's name? I didn't hear you. Wishbone. Good job. The cook. So there's some other people in here. Watch your raw eye. Those old cowboys herded cattle across Texas and Kansas and Nebraska. They're taking them places. And you never thought about them being well-groomed or bathed. <laughs> think of the shepherds. I just cannot, I think you could probably smell a shepherd coming. <laughs> yep, I'm pretty sure that's a shepherd coming this way. Nobody was applauding the shepherds and nobody just super proud say, hey, my boy just got a job. He's a shepherd. <laughs> Nobody's bragging about it. I guess maybe one of my favorite things about what just happened. Is when Jesus left heaven. And through the overshouting of the Holy Ghost, he enters into a womb of a young girl. And nine months later, they're not even at home. They're away from home. There's no room. They're in this barn room. And she has a baby and the stall. And there's no place to really lay him except they make a bedding in the manger. And God says, I want the earth to know he's here. God didn't go to the courthouse. He didn't go to a castle. He didn't go to somebody with means, somebody with pomp or circumstance. He didn't go anybody with power or authority. This went to some poor fellas that even have bad reputation. That's amazing, isn't it? When I think that our God is like that, I'm so grateful that when he's looking for people to save and change their life, he's willing to take somebody with a bad rep. Somebody doesn't have any money. Someone doesn't have dental insurance. That thrills my soul, friend. That moves my spirit to think that God would choose shepherds to tell them. Well, look what he said. Here's what he told them. Verse 9, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angel tells the shepherds exactly what's happened. Mercy sakes. But before the angel says any words to them, he's just there. I imagine there's a little bit of noise in the field with some sheep around. 
The Bible doesn't tell us how many shepherds. We know there's more than one. It's kind of obvious it's more than two. It's just the way it reads. I don't know. I don't know if there's three or six. I don't know. Even historically, when it says that they have a group of shepherds, it doesn't give you a good number to kind of gauge this. I don't know. Four, five, six shepherds. Sitting on a rock. Sitting around a fire. I know it's nighttime. That's kind of obvious. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. That might get your attention. In fact, I know it will get your attention because of how it says it happened. Look what it says. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. This wasn't just like a little lamp holding a lantern. It wasn't like a little match that held up or a candle. The glory of the Lord. This is some kind of heavenly glory that is shining. They are well aware this is something that is uniquely special. In fact, when we talk about the glory of the Lord in the Bible in the Old Testament, we are specifically, we call it the Shekinah, glory of God. Noah Webster talks about this glory. He says it's coming from words that mean clear, bright, shining, brightness, luster, splendor. Exodus 24 says Moses went up into the mount and a cloud covered the mount. Whenever we speak of the cloud covered the mount and when the cloud comes on the tabernacle, comes up on the temple, when we speak of that, it, it, is, it has the idea that it's a glowing, luminous, radiating, shining, luster, cloudy essence that's there and you're going, this is, this is different. This, and the Bible tells us, it is the glory of of the Lord. In Exodus 33, it came to pass as Moses entered the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door. And all the people saw the cloudy, cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle, and all the people rose up and worshiped. Exodus 40, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. Exodus 19, and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it, listen to it, in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. The whole mountain quaked greatly. Exodus 20, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings, the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. There is something glowing. There's something up there. It's not just a cloud. It's not just a smoke from a fire. It's the essence, the presence of God, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Duh. I think that startled you. I think there's these six shepherds going scared out of their brains. I don't know if you're getting this or not, but I believe there's good reason to be afraid when you're in the presence of God. I'm sick of this silly stuff that people are giving God high fives and chest bumps and they're sitting around having coffee with God and they're just having a little good time and all that. In the Bible, when God showed up, people were struck down. When the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. They said to Moses, speak thou with us. We will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. You and I think, oh, yeah, we can handle it. We'll be up there. Hey, God, what's happening? We're good. You know, all this stuff. No, ladies and gentlemen, when you get in the presence of holiness, when you get in the glory of God, you're going to think, I'm going to die. I deserve to die. In fact, Moses, the Bible says this about Moses. It says, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet. 
The place where thou standest is holy ground. Isaiah says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Ezekiel says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell upon my face. Daniel says, therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption. I retained no strength. Habakkuk says, when I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled myself. Ladies and gentlemen, when you meet up with the glory of God, there is good reason to tremble. The book of Matthew says, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Acts 26 Paul says, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven. And when we were all fallen to the earth, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Mercy. If you meet up with God, your response will be humility, brokenness, and fear. I'm going to die if I stay here, if I don't get right with God. The book of the Revelation in his head, and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire, his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. these shepherds minding their own business. I don't know if they were, we don't know their conversation, but what do, what do shepherds talk about? How each, how bad they stink? Now you stink, I stink, but you really are bad at that. Or how bad the food was? Or they lost another sheep today. I, I, I don't know how to I don't know how to measure it. I don't know how to paint it. I don't know how to picture it to me or to you. When you're minding your own business, and I'll just say there's six of them. It's dark, and all of a sudden. It's the angel of the Lord. These shepherds knew enough to know this is something from God. The angel said to them, fear not. Although they were sore afraid. The angel said, no, no, you don't have to be afraid right now. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That'd be good news in anybody's ear. A Savior? I don't know what I need to be saved from. I need to be saved from what's right here in my presence right now. The glory of the Lord. I, I'm in trouble right now. I do need a Savior. Then it says, which is Christ. Christ? That's the anointed one. That's the Messiah. He's the one that fulfills all the promises since Adam. The Christ. A Savior, which is Christ. The Lord. Well, what's the Lord? Well, that's actually supreme power. It's supreme authority. 
He's the ruler. He's the owner. He's the master. He's the one that has control. He's the Lord. It's the title given to the Messiah, Christ. Wow. Love it. G. Campbell Morgan said this about it. The three titles, Savior, as someone confronting all the sins of the world with regal authority based upon redeeming power. The Savior's here. Christ, someone confronting all the chaos of the world. The Messiah, who will be able to realize the kingdom of God. Lord, the one who confronts all eternity and all ages. He's the Lord. Let's look at the words again, verse 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Obviously, if he's the Savior, that's good tidings. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. You could say it like this. It's good news. Amen. Oh, you could even say it like this. Good news is kind of like the gospel. I bring you good news. I bring you good tidings. The Savior's here. What's the Savior? Well, the Savior's Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The good news is the Gospel is here. The Savior's here. Mm, mercy. It's great joy. I don't know anything better. I, I don't know. I can't think of anything better than knowing your sins are forgiven. I can't think of anything that's better. I've, I've been in love. I am in love. I'm married. And it's awesome. But I don't really think that's better than being forgiven of my sin and having eternal life. I have two children that were born in my house, my wife, telling you that baby was born. That is good news. And I love it and I'm grateful for it, but I don't think it's really better than knowing I'm forgiven of my sin and have eternal life. Our daughter Becky got married. We're thankful that Brian could read and answer the ad in the paper. <laughs> She's married and we're grateful. But what we're most grateful for, Brian's okay, we like him, but we really like those two kids. <laughs> and we love them. But knowing you're forgiven is better. It's great joy. Told you before, started preaching. Chelsea changed her name to McCracken, and, and we love her. <laughs> we consider her to be a special gift that God lets us have. But knowing I'm forgiven of my sin, oh my, my, it's great joy. Then the angel said it'd be great joy to all people. In fact, let's just look at it again. I want to show you verse 10. For I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Mercy. I don't know if you're getting this or not. I'm, maybe I'm messing up. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This joy, this salvation, this Christ the Lord, according to the Holy, Holy Bible, is to all people, somebody say amen. amen. The Bible never has declared that there's a few that get in and a few that don't. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's for all people. Hallelujah. Amen. The angel wasn't lying, didn't make up a story. No, unto you is born this day a Savior, which is to all people. Mercy. I love it that it's for everybody. Everybody you meet, it's for them too. Amen. Every path we cross, it's for them too. 
mercy. We should never, ever think, nah, it's not for them. It's for everybody. I suppose for me in my heart, my favorite part of this statement is verse 11. For unto you. <laughs> That's incredible. Unto you. Well, who's the angel talking to? Talking to those, we'll say, six shepherds. Friend, I'm telling you, the salvation that Jesus Christ brings, Christ the Lord, is personal. And the angel doesn't make any mistake, doesn't mess around any. The angel just lets him know, hey, unto you is born this day <laughs> a Savior. That's Christ the Lord. Oh, I love it that it's personal. I'm glad it's not collective. I'm glad it's not corporate. Because everybody else could be, you know, say, well, yeah, it's all good. It's good. We're all happy. We're all happy. But I want to know, I want to know, I want to know, am I forgiven? Do I have salvation? Do I know Jesus? Duh, yes, I do. It was for me too. <laughs> wow. I'm telling you, it's pretty serious. Just one angel showing up with the glory of God. That's a bunch. That's more than I can handle. But according to the Holy Bible, it just gets more profound. Verse 13, and suddenly. I'm pretty sure that's like quick. <laughs> suddenly. <laughs> there was with the angel, that's incredible, a multitude. I don't know how many a multitude is, but I'm thinking it's more than 100. I'm thinking that's like a lot. A multitude of heavenly hosts. These are people that live up there. These are the people, that's where they reside. They're the heavenly host. Shows up with this angel of the Lord. Praising God. They weren't praising the shepherds. They weren't praising Mary. They weren't praising Joseph. They weren't praising the Jewish people. They were praising God. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest. Mercy, that's enough right there. He's the only one that deserves the glory. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. He's the only one that deserves the glory. And since we brought it up, he is the God of the highest. Amen. And Jesus is the son of the highest. Mercy. God's the only one that deserves the praise. God has never, ever, ever said, you guys should be praising your preacher a little more than you're doing. You ought to be praising people a little more than you're doing. You need to. No, God's the one that deserves the praise. He's the one that deserves the glory. Then the angels, the multitude says, and on earth peace, Humanity has been in conflict with God ever since Eve took the first bite. Men are not born with peace. We can fake peace. We can pretend peace. We can act like that we're all okie-dokie. But if you do not know Christ as your Savior and you've not been washed in His blood, you do not have peace with God. Amen. You're at enmity with God. He said, well, I'm not mad at God. Well, God's mad at your sin. He's at enmity with your sin. Well, I'm not that bad. God thinks you are. But hallelujah, there's peace available, isn't there? I love it. And on earth, peace. It's available for everybody on the planet. It's not just for a section over there in the Palestine area. It's not just, of course, for North America. It's for the world. Yeah, right. Hallelujah. 
Earth's opportunity for lasting peace is in Jesus. The next little phrase, I'll really like it. It says, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Wow. In my brain, my picture, I see that God has brought peace that's available for humanity on earth. A Savior which is born Christ the Lord. And then God says, I want humanity. I'm giving you opportunity for goodwill. And the Bible says goodwill toward men. It's almost as if God has an arrow. And the name of the arrow is goodwill. And he has the bow drawn and saying right at me. He says, hey, son, I have goodwill for you. Would you receive it? It's available. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, God has goodwill for every one of us. Our life does not have to be a life of hectic, uncomfortable wickedness. We can have peace with God and goodwill with God and goodwill toward men. Mercy sakes. This is fascinating. Here we go. Verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. Just as suddenly as the angel of the Lord showed up, and then also suddenly the skies were filled, they're gone. It's dark again. I don't know if you've ever been in a bright light and then went to a dark room and you can't hardly see anything. I'm thinking that's about where they are right now. They're gone. They're gone. It's dark. They're trying to maybe some light from the campfire. I don't know, but they're trying to get their eyes adjusted. What do you do now? They're gone. Here's what the Bible said. The shepherds, there's more than two. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. So the question I'm asking, do you reckon they believe what God's messenger said? Or do you think, well, that was some kind of wild hallucination. No, they believed everything the angel said. They believed everything that the multitude in the heavens said. They believe it. It's dark, it's quiet now, and they go, well, let's go. Let's go see it. I don't know if you got it or not. It says, we want to go see, come to pass, see the thing which, come past, which the Lord They knew where the message came from. God passed by everybody else's house, everybody else's office, everybody else's money, everybody else's factory, and he came to shepherds. And they said, let's go. The Lord's made known unto us. Wow, look at this. Verse 16, and they came with haste. Now, here's what's going on, folks. They didn't take off looking, going to Bethlehem. They know they're going to into the city. They know that. They know they're looking for a stable, a place where they house animals. They didn't walk like this. Well, you really believe this happened? I don't know what you think. No, no, no. The Bible says they they were in a hurry. They came with haste. I'm thinking they're walking like this. And the other one's walking faster. And, the other's going, and they're all trying to beat each other there. Mercy. 
This is kind of incredible. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger, just like the angel said. Mary and Joseph already have their hands full. The Bible doesn't say anything about a midwife. I don't. That's an ordeal. If your name is Joseph. And if your name is Mary, you're going, this ain't happening like this. The baby's born. It's healthy. They've wrapped him, they've cleaned him, they put him in swaddling clothes, they've laid him in the manger. Mary and Joseph weren't expecting company. And I'm saying six shepherds show up. I don't know if you remember, you might could smell them when they were coming. I don't know if you've ever seen someone's hair that hasn't been washed in a couple months. Beard, clothes, dirty, smelly. I don't know if you remember this, they didn't have a dental plan. They're shepherds. I'm thinking you got six men, got about 32 teeth. Are they happy? They're thrilled. God just made known to them who's in that manger. Mary and Joseph aren't going, oh, this is awesome. The Bible didn't say that God told Mary and Joseph, got some shepherds coming. It's okay, it's good though. But when the shepherds got there and they told Mary and Joseph, what God told them. Don't you know that Mary and Joseph's heart just leapt with thanksgiving? I don't think Mary and Joseph were going, for heaven's sake, why would you tell the shepherds? I'm thinking they're going, God, thank you. Thank you that we're not the only ones that know the story. We're not the only ones that know what happened. God, thank you. I, love, I just love what God has done. Look what it says. Verse 17, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us. They made it to the manger area. They, they're there at the scene. They rejoice. The Bible says they made known abroad the saying. I, I don't know what time of day it is. I know it's night. So I don't know if they're catching anybody they can on the street. Anybody that might be in a little tavern or cafe, they're sticking their head in going, hey, hey, we got to tell you something. I don't know if they said, forget the sheep right now. I don't care. I just got to go tell people what I saw. I got to tell people what the Lord told me. The Bible doesn't distinctly say that they did it at that moment. Maybe they went back to their sheep, but then they just continued to spread it abroad everywhere they went. I can't imagine that you just see him in the manger and you just walk back to the sheep. I'm thinking you're hoping you get to tell somebody besides another shepherd that's already with you. I don't know how shepherds give high fives or hugs or chest bumps and they're rejoicing. It's true. It's true. It's just like the angel said. It's like God has shown us. This is unbelievable. This is Christ, the Lord. He's the Savior. Oh, mercy. This is for everybody. 
Wow. I do know this. Look what the Bible says. Verse 18. Let's do verse 17 again. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child and all they that heard it wondered those things were told them by the shepherds. I don't know if you remember a shepherd could be described as despicable. Don't trust them. But you got six shepherds excited, turned on, fired up, and they're all talking at once. Trying to tell this person, this is incredible. I got to tell you what God did. It's true. It's true. They're down there in the manger. They're down there in the stall. They're down there. He's laying right now in the manger. He's there. It's just like God said. Wow. Were they convincing? I know they were convincing enough that the people wondered in amazement. They were shocked, surprised. After these shepherds received the message from God, they were convinced of the message of God. How do you know? They went to see these things which the Lord hath made known unto them. And then they willingly try to tell others and convince them, for unto you is born this day a Savior. You know, some of us feel like that we're the least qualified to tell other people about Jesus. I, of all people, I shouldn't be the one. You should see my life. It's a wreck. Well, I'm not very educated. I'm not very articulate. I shouldn't be the one to tell others. Someone else should do it. I only have a few teeth. I shouldn't be the one to tell others. I don't have good clothes. I don't have nice hair. I don't have good complexion. I don't talk plain. I shouldn't be the one. But I'll just tell to you, I'll just say this to you. If God made known unto you, if he was kind enough to bypass all these others, and he says, I'm touching your heart right now. I'm convincing you right now. You're the one. I want you to tell others that the Savior's here. Wouldn't you say yes to him? What kind of excuse are we going to use? I can just say this. The shepherds didn't use any excuses. Let's just keep reading. I've got a couple more verses. Verse 9, 18. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. For all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Oh, my. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just saying out loud to you tonight. When we leave these doors tonight, one of the things we should be doing is praising and glorifying God. If anybody in the country, if anybody in Oklahoma City believes that Jesus was virgin born and he was laid in a manger and God told the shepherds about it. If we believe that, we ought not be any different than the shepherds. We, too, ought to be praising God. And glorifying him. What in the world is wrong with us? 
Why should we button our lip or shut our mouth of anybody? Anybody ought to be praising God, glorifying God. It's us that know him and that believe this is true. Will everybody believe us? They might just wonder what you're saying. But every one of us that have been born again are glad somebody told us. We're glad someone got the message to our family. I love it. One of the joys that I get to have, I know it's true in this room and it's, it's a bummer, but it's true in this room. I know there's people that are born again and your life was a shamble. Your life was unbelievable. This is, it's unique how God got your attention and you got saved. And I, I don't know very many of those stories in this room, but as I travel around the country, Week after week, I meet people. Hey, how long you been attending Lighthouse? How long you been attending Calvary Baptist Church? How long you been attending here? Well, I've been coming three years. Well, where'd you come from? Well, someone knocked on my door. Or my child talked me into coming. Or my mother. It's, I love to hear the stories. And they're all out there, folks. And they're in this room. And we ought to be praising God and glorifying Him. And not, not be like pulling teeth and not, my, not like be there we're pushing you down the hallway trying to get you to do this. It ought to be an automatic thing. We love him. He is Christ, the Lord, the Savior. Mercy's sakes. Good news, good news. If you're not saved, oh, I wish I could get my finger close to your nose. If you're not saved, I would say this to you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He was born for you too. Wow. I'm going to ask you to stand. Thank you for listening. Hallelujah. like to pray with you, our great God, I do come to you again. I wanted to say thanks again. Thank you. It's just, it's just precious. It's even revealing in my soul that what you did for the shepherds, you're still doing it today. You're still touching the unlikely. You're still calling the less prominent. You're still involving the poor. You still allow the unfortunate. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. I pray you would get glory. I pray that we would praise and glorify you. Someone's not saved, Jesus, please. Oh, squeeze their heart. Pray that they would realize they are a sinner and you are the Savior. I pray they say yes to you. Be glorified tonight, Christ.